I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Kaitel. As always, I'm joined here in LA, virtually from our hometown of London, by my co-host Joe. And there's also a special guest on today's show who we're both very excited to speak with to get to know a bit more about their footballing journey. He's a former footballer and current youth coach at the very same Premier League club where he began his own playing career, as well as being involved at the grassroots level as a co-founder of the NASA Academy, where he helps to provide mentorship and professional level training to young kids in South London. We welcome Zavon Hines, the United Mates Football Podcast. Zavon, real pleasure to have you as our guest. How's it going, mate? Yeah, it's all good. Thanks for the invite. That's a good intro. I didn't, I didn't expect that, but it's nice. Thank you. Try our best. And, um, you know, you had to put in all the hard work to, to do all of those things. I just had to read it out. But <laughs> Joe, as we record, it was only yesterday that two players from your team, Spurs, seemingly got deported during the Brazil versus Argentina fiasco for lying on their immigration forms. Uh, Joe, you're not surprised, though, are you? I mean, Tottenham players aren't typically the brightest bunch. Oh, yeah, I thought that might be coming. But um, yeah, I mean, how weird was that? Um, classic, we finally sign a good centre-half and then he gets arrested. <laughs> but um, no, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully that can all be sorted out. We, we shall see on that. But um, yeah, as Kaitel said, Zavon, it's, um, it's a pleasure to have you with us tonight. And whenever we have a guest on our podcast, we always start by asking an icebreaker question. So we, we look into your, your Twitter account, nothing too crazy. But what we've seen recently for you is that you were playing in a in a game for the West Ham Legends against a team, um, I think it was an MC Harvey team. And you um, you scored a really good goal, actually, against one of our former guests, Nader Manua. You, you took it past him very nicely. Um, and we were thinking, given you were playing, you know, on the West Ham Legends team, it was a bit of a kind of reunion match of sorts. So the question we wanted to ask you was, if you could um, have a reunion with any team you've played in from the past, which one would it be and why? But we'll, um, you, we'll give you some time to think. We'll answer our ones first. So mine would probably be my under-10 team. Um, I was a good striker back in those days. Scored a hat-trick actually against Kaitel's school. So um, I thought I'd go with that one. But um, Kai, how about you? What, who would you have a reunion with if you had to choose a team? Well, a team that you and I both played for, although never unfortunately at the same time, was a, a club in North London called Isledon Wolves. Um, a former guest of ours now plays for Sunderland, used to be my strike partner there. But I would just have to have the reunion with them because honestly, I've heard down the years since we've all sort of gone our own ways that a few of the lads have ended up for uh, kind of controversial reasons in, in prison and in and out of stuff. So it would, it would be pretty interesting, I think. Um, yeah, Joe, though, none, none of your ex-schoolmates are, are in the slammer, are they? Oh, uh, well, not, not that I'm aware of. I guess I'd find out at the reunion. But um, no, that's a, that'd be an interesting one. Zavon, um, you've had a bit of time to think. Which, which, which team would you like to have a reunion with and why? Um, it, it would probably be um, probably one of my better games for West Ham, but the results didn't go my way. 
Um, so it was probably against Liverpool at home. It was my first home start. Um, I had a decent game, but um, we lost. <laughs> so um, if I could have changed that result, then that would have been better. But it was a great group of guys that you sort of got to share the experience with. Um, who who were they? Yeah, just in terms of like the reunion aspect of all sort of um, getting back together and stuff. It was it was kind of like a, a fun team to be a part of. Yeah, like um, Jack Collison, Junior Stanislas, um, Mark Noble. So, like, those those are the players I, I came through the academy with as well. So, um, to to be able to be involved in such a game, um, playing against such a team at the time, Champions League team, um, and we we done well. I done well individ- individually as well. Um, so it was good to know that I could actually play at that level at that time. So. Mm. I just wanted the result to match my performance. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get back to, to West Ham in a bit. You mentioned some great names that you played alongside there. I think Mark Noble is still just about going. I think at the end of this season, he's going to call it a day. But we're going to take things back to your childhood, Zavon, before the West Ham days. And basically, what were your earliest memories of playing or watching football? What's your football origin story, so to speak? Because presumably it would have begun in Jamaica, right? Yeah. Um, like I was obviously... I'm, if you've done research, then you know I was born in Jamaica. Um, and from, from a young age, I was always kicking something. My mum and dad said I was kicking something, whether it's bottles, balls, stones. I used to have good bruised toes, everything. So um, whatever was in sight, I was kicking it. And um, yeah, and I remember when I was young, I used to go every Sunday in Jamaica. I used to go with my uncle and he, he, they used to go play football over at a school. Um, so and I just used to try to join in. Obviously, I was like the little kid, probably like six, six, seven years old, trying to get involved with big grown adults. So, um, yeah, that, that was one of probably my first memory that I've got. And when you were a youngster, either when you were living in Jamaica or after you'd moved to England, was there a player who you began to model your game on when you were a kid? Yeah, it's more like when I came to England. Um, I used to watch um, R9, Brazilian. Ronaldo, um, he was like my idol at the time. Um, and then Thierry Henry as well. Um, I was an Arsenal fan when I was younger from my dad. My dad was an Arsenal fan. So, um, yeah, Thierry Henry, all, all, the, all the attackers, basically, Ian Wright. Um, so th- those, and then even Ronaldinho, probably one that no one actually would think I really liked was R- Rivaldo and Denilson. Um they left-footed players always have a soft spot in my heart. Um, they just look better <laughs> at times. Um, so, I, yeah, I used to watch the Brazilian team um, quite a bit. And then I just tried to replicate some of the Ronaldo stuff, but nowhere as close to him, I guess. <laughs> well, you certainly got a lot closer than we did to replicate your skills, that's for sure. But um, talking about, um, well, you've spoken about your kind of how you got involved in football. Let's talk a bit about yeah, and the start of your career. So I know you went out on loan to Coventry, you got the goal there. And then um, at West Ham, you, I mean, you had a great start. You scored against Macclesfield on your debut. Um, I know then there was a very frustrating injury, but 
you'd come back the season after under Gianfranco Zola. You'd score in the big derby against Mill in an absolutely crazy game, as I'm sure you um, have been asked about plenty of times. But then you got the, the famous last minute winner against Villa as well. So with um, those goals, I guess, comes added expectations from the fans, given you're um, impressing everybody so much. How did you deal with that added expectation? Did it um, did it motivate you to play better, or was it actually did it make things more tricky? How 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 did you react to that? It's hard to say. Um, I didn't really really feel any pressure at the time. If I'm being honest, um, the pressure I felt was more on myself that I put the pressure I put on myself to be the best that I can be. Um, and I know that I've always had this mentality that I've always got to do above and beyond what someone else have to do to get recognised. Um, maybe it's because of where I grew up or where I came from. I just always had that mentality. Um, so I just put a lot of, sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself to be the best that I can be or the best in the team at the moment or whatever team I am in. Um, so when I was coming through and I got my opportunities, um, it weren't pressure, it's more excitement. Um, so they speak a lot about when the young players come come into a first team environment, they have to be fearless. Um, I, I actually took that on, and I didn't really think about uh, if what the fans are going to say or what anyone else is going to say. I just wanted to enjoy it because once I made my debut, I, had, I came to realization that is, this is a massive milestone considering where I came from. Um, everyone had, obviously it weren't it was tough, but it may be who I am, I guess. Um, so I didn't really feel that much pressure. I did feel my own pressure. Um, and then my, sometimes my, my own pressure will be overwhelming at times. So, yeah, it, that's the only pressure I kind of felt at the time. It sounds like you kind of approached it in a pretty level-headed manner, albeit that it sounds like you also motivated yourself pretty intensely. You, you mentioned sort of overwhelming yourself with with, uh, with your own pressure at times. But on to the end of your your time at West Ham, or at least the end of your first spell with West Ham as a player. Um, I believe when that sort of time came, you had the offer of a new contract on the table from the club. So what was the reasoning behind not signing a new deal? What led up to you wanting to leave? Um, so at the time, obviously, I spoke about this quite a few times. I'm, I'm happy to speak about it now because it's a lot of people thought I wanted to leave. I never wanted to leave at all. Um, like... They'll say, oh, the club offered you a contract, but why do you just not just sign it? But if you understand the details of every contract, um, there's there's a lot of thought, thought that goes into it, um, long-term and short-term. Um, I wanted to stay, so I left it with my agent to discuss what, that's their job, to discuss the contract. I just wanted to focus on, on football. And then Sam Allardyce came in as the new manager at the time. So I got offered a deal before he... He came in. Um, so when he came in um, during pre-season, they kind of like put me to the, with the reserves, um, made me train with them at times. So kind of like just forcing my hand to sign whatever they put on the table kind of thing because I was an academy player kind of thing. And I had a few conversations with him and he just seems quite blasé about the situation. He didn't really care. Um so then the last conversation I had with him, I went into his office and we, we sat down, we were speaking. It was before training. Um, we were speaking and then he basically just said, if I'm going to sign it or doesn't matter if I'm going to sign it or not, he's still going to get his own players in kind of thing. So um, it's up to me. 
Um, and then he just seemed quite blase. He didn't really care if I was there. Um, and as a player that's been there, come through the academies, it's just not, it, w- it would have been nice to feel wanted. I didn't feel wanted at all. But then at the same time, when I look back now, I could have just proved him wrong because I know I was good enough to play. Um, but with probably some wrong advice as well, um, but but also how I was treated, not being really with the first team, thrown in the reserves, and all of that kind of stuff. And then I just thought, oh, let's just, I just want to go and play. I want to go somewhere that um, values me, kind of thing. So, and that's a decision I made, which part of me regret now because West Ham is my club. <laughs> um, I didn't really want to leave at that time. So, but it's more because of probably how he approached me as a young player um i felt it was a bit of like a bully tactics as well which i which i i disagree with and and that's just part of life and i've learned from it and that's why i'm here to help everyone else to make the right decision and not get bullied <laughs> well i mean hindsight's 2020 as far as regrets but in the moment it sounds like you were in a pretty you know difficult place to be especially as a young man and you know, getting advice from from third parties and being bullied, as you mentioned, by, you know, quite an intimidating figure from the world of football, um, especially, again, as, as a youngster in, in Sam Allardyce. I think you're probably not the first and still probably won't be the, the last footballer to be alienated by by Big Sam throughout his his career. Um, you know, a great manager and all, but he's got somewhat of a reputation with that. But moving on to, um, to England, uh, where you made your, your under-21 debut uh, while you were still at West Ham. And uh, it was in a game against Macedonia. Uh, you came on, you scored twice for a pretty stacked three Lions team that included the likes of Theo Walcott, Michael Richards, Daniel Sturridge, Jack Wilshire, and plenty more impressive names. Where does that night rank in your list of sort of best football moments? And could you just tell us a bit more about the experience in general? Um, that, that's probably top. It's definitely top five. <laughs> um, and it's, it's one of the pro- proudest moments for me personally, because... I always go back to where I came from. Like every me being able to get into West Ham at under under 16s, that was a that was a milestone for me. Then under 18s, that was a milestone for me. Then being able to get into the first team, that was a milestone for me. Then now playing for England, um, that was a milestone for me because it's not easy. Um, and there's a lot of kids out there that want to be footballers. Um, and sometimes when you're in the academy, you take it for granted. And you think, oh, yeah, I deserve to play here or I, sh- I should be there. So when I look back now, that was a massive, massive, massive moment for me personally because of the journey, um, the injuries, um, the setback, family, friends, lost lost friends, a um, bit of depression as well as a kid, trauma as a kid as well. So when I, when I look back and I'm like come to play for England at Coventry Stadium where I had my first loan, um yeah, it, it was just it was special. And then to come on at half time and then to be able to to score two goals on my debut as well. Um playing with some players that I still play now, um, and had great careers as well at the same time. So yeah, that was a big moment, man. Um like and that's something I look back at and say, all right, like no one could take it from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I'll I'll always smile at that moment. I'll probably brag a little bit as well because I can, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's it's a brilliant feeling, and so there's some moments in football that it's unexplainable, 
um, we we try to I try to explain it and say this is how I felt or I felt excited I was buzzing but it's it's not the feeling like you know when you're buzzing you know when you're excited that moment there scoring for the 21s on your debut after not even expecting it um, yeah that's priceless no that certainly is and like you said when you bear in mind the journey to get to that point I think keep bragging away about it Zavon it's um, obviously a great achievement um, but funnily enough a few months before that um, well that very famous night um, you got the call up to the Jamaica national squad I believe um, and I know you didn't um, didn't end up playing but I wonder sort of later on in your career when maybe the sort of the England senior side wasn't wasn't an option for you was there what did you have any other opportunities to represent Jamaica um, yeah, did, did that ever come up um no not not really because I didn't really pursue it at the time um because I wanted to play because I had a couple injuries um I wanted to play a bit of consistent football and get my confidence back before I had any alternative football I would love to but um, it just, there was never ever the right time. And I think they, the Jamaican national team went through a phase where there was only bringing in players from Jamaica and obviously not as many English players as they're doing now. <laughs> um, so they weren't really looking this, this way. Um, I had a couple of conversations with my agents at the time and then they just said, they, they spoke to them, but obviously nothing materialised or... But they, I didn't. I told them not to push it because I just wanted to focus on trying to get my confidence back, which I did, and I was ready. But obviously, that didn't come. Well, you know, sadly, you can't have everything. But going back to the kind of we've spoken about, obviously, the West Ham spell ended unfortunately with the Sam Allardyce um, treatment. But then, obviously, your next move would be to Burnley, another team in Claret and Blue. Um, and I guess your time at Turf more probably was a lot more frustrating than you'd initially hoped, given it was, you know, going to be a fresh start. And I know there was a loan move to, to Bournemouth thrown in there as well. But looking back at your time at Burnley, what what why do you think it didn't it didn't go to, you know, was there was there any reason why it wasn't more successful than it was? Was it perhaps, you know, moving up north, a, a change in scene, or was it, is there anything you can pinpoint as to why it did turn out to be? A frustrating one for you. Um, I think I think probably be moving moving away from home was a massive one for me. Um, I've always been in my so-called comfort zone where my family and friends are. So if anything goes against me, I always had someone to speak to, um, so I could bounce back kind of thing. Obviously, I was still young, uh, twenty or something like that, twenty-one. Um, so that was a factor, but I think. I've, I've always said a major factor was myself. Um, I always, I kind of let myself down at times um, within my preparation and my, and my entitlement. I think as a young kid, because you're coming from a so-called bigger club, you expect to play. Um, and I probably didn't do enough. Um, but at the same time, me and the manager clashed a little bit because I felt that he didn't, understand me as an individual um so we used to clash a little bit um but as a coach he's an amazing coach um I just didn't think we clicked so then at the end of the day I was fighting a always fighting a losing battle um because I, I would feel like he's he's wrong but he has a last decision <laughs> the final decision so 
he's always right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I kind of played, yeah, I kind of let myself down slightly. Um, and then being away from home was a massive factor. And, yeah, I could have done a lot more um, for myself and to prove um, a lot of people wrong because that's what I've done at the start of my career to get into the first team. And then I think I probably got a little bit complacent and because I was there, I expected certain treatment because of what I was getting when I was doing well. Um, and that wasn't the case. So I had to learn the hard way. Well, from uh, Burnley to Bradford now, and you were part of that famous Bradford side that dumped Premier League clubs uh, like Wigan, Aston Villa and my beloved Arsenal out of the League Cup for fun on your route to the final where you would come on as a sub against a pretty strong Swansea side who unfortunately would beat Bradford on the day. Yeah. Zavon, it's not every day that a club from League Two makes a major English domestic cup final. So what do you put that incredible cup run down to? How did the team manage to continue to get result after result against the odds? Um, I think we we had good players, first of all. <laughs> um, sometimes people think, oh, yeah, how did a team get there? You have to have the players. <laughs> You have to have the right mentality and then you have to have a coach that's able to get you motivated for these games. But then at the same time, if you can't get motivated to play Premier League clubs, then you should play full stop. So we, we motivated ourselves um, at times. But then, yeah, we just had, I think we had good players. We had a good team spirit. The manager helped us, to made us gel properly. Um, we had players that could play in a high, higher league. Um and then once we start winning games, there was that consistency that we held on to, that feeling of winning that we loved. Um, and we had fans that shouldn't be in League Two. <laughs> that, like it was a big stadium, massive, passionate fans that loved every minute of it. So then now, like we are, we're history makers in the club's eyes because no clubs, I don't think any clubs have done it or probably one or two, but it's still a rare thing to do. Um, but then like playing against... I always felt when I was playing against team in the higher league, I get a little bit more time. <laughs> um, and it's not as probably physical as I, as I liked. Um, so like playing against the likes of Wigan and those teams, nine, nine times out of 10, they had the majority of the ball. But we had a structure and a, and a setup that frustrated them at times. They will have opportunities, obviously, because they're good players, they're, they're a good team. But we hang, hanged on in there a lot of the game, but then some games we played quite well at times as well. We held our own and yeah, we just, we've done the unthinkable, I guess. Yeah. Again, as an Arsenal fan, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll still congratulate you, but it was a painful, painful moment for me in particular. I mean, even for you must've been semi surreal. You mentioned growing up as an Arsenal fan as well, dumping them out of the cup, but just a quick follow-up on the the final in particular, I guess, not to dwell on because obviously it wouldn't have been the result that you and your teammates would have, you know, hoped for. But I imagine that was the first time you'd played at Wembley Stadium in your career or you'd played there before? No, I played there before. I played there for England, uh, 21s. I was in, we played against Portugal. Um, um, yeah, so I've been there before. Um, but funny thing about that final, I was so frustrated that final. Mm. So, so frustrated um, because in the cup run, I started every game since I signed at the club. So, like, I started the, I think it was the first round, second round. No, no, the second round because I signed after the first round. 
um, second round, third round, fourth round, all the way to the final. And then I was the only sub. I was the only change. I was furious. I was furious. We wanted to, the manager wanted to go a different, yeah, a different route. That's why you guys didn't win. <laughs> Probably didn't have any creativity. <laughs> Um, no, nah, but the team the team done well. Um, Swansea at the time, Swansea was playing some outstanding football, man. Um, I was on the bench just watching. I was looking at their movement, um, their, their composure, their connection between players in and out of possession. Um, they had a striker that was very clinical in Mitru. Um, and they just had a good team. They had a good balance. And for me as a young, well, young player at the time, I guess, um, it was good to see and it was good to watch, but not to feel. <laughs> God, yeah, that was, um, I mean, I remember that game very clearly. And yeah, it was like you said, a fantastic Swansea team. I think Michael Loudrup was the um, the coach then. But yeah. you, um, you, you know, Bradford would go up that year also via a game at Wembley, but you'd then, you'd go off to Dagenham. Um, so closer to home, obviously you've had a, you've had a few spells where you're, you're, you're a bit further away, but you've come closer to home and, the goals started coming. You were playing really well, but then obviously injuries would would happen. And I'm sure you know if it wasn't the first time in your career, your knee kind of was um, an issue for you. So obviously it's frustrating at any time in a career to get injured. But did it make it even more frustrating when you got that injury at Dagenham, given you were actually you know on a you know really um, impressive run of form? Yeah, that that there was very frustrating for me um, because I remember at Bradford, I, I kind of we I left. Um, partly because the managers wanted to get other players in as well, but he knew that I wanted to move back close to home as well. Um, so I only signed a one-year deal. And initially, I didn't really want to go Dagenham because of the perception of Dagenham before their style of play and stuff like that. But um, Wayne Burnett was the manager at the time, and I spoke to him and Darren Curry, and they, yeah, they wanted to play the way I like, so-called like to play. Um, and yeah, I went in and then it was good. Like, and there was it was a good team, good balance with good players that went on to play in the higher leagues as well. Um, so and yeah, and I felt wanted, and that's all any player wanted. And I felt like the manager wanted to get to know me as a person as well. And I think that's so major in any coaching manual ever, because to get the best out of any individual, you gotta understand them as a person and what makes them tick and what they live for, what what's their why they do what they do and all of that kind of stuff. So because of that, um, I started to enjoy my football and I started to work even harder for the manager as well um, because I felt like he trusted me, um, he wanted me and that was major for me. So um, I started to work harder and then I started to, like you said, score goals and play well and lots of assists and stuff like that. And then clubs was watching me and talking about me again. My agents was talking to a lot of clubs. Um, and then I was meant to go somewhere in the January window uh, after six months of being there. But because the majority of the clubs knew that I was out of contract at the end of the season, they were rather, they said, ah, oh, there's no rush to it. Um, just wait there till then. So that's what, that's what happened. And then just after the window, uh, injury came um, that kind of kept me out for a long, long period of time. And it's frustrating because I've only ever had two injuries in my career, but they've all been long-term injuries. Um, and that's kind of held me back. 
So then now, when you look back at it, people, I'll think, oh, I've had a lot of injuries. Uh, people think I've had a lot of injuries, but I haven't. I just had, I've never had a muscle injury. Um, so I've just had two major injuries, which is like ligaments and bone. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, it's tougher to take. So that injury at Dagenham came out of blue randomly. Um, and that kind of frustrated me as well. So, um, yeah, that held me back. As someone who's torn their own ACL uh, can confirm, yeah, it only takes one big injury to really, really derail your sort of physicality and your recovery and then the knock-on effect in terms of regaining sort of, yeah, back to that that full fitness. Um, otherwise, Dagenham seemed like a pretty good match in terms of the amount of time you spent there compared to some of the other clubs who, who you played for. So it seems like despite the injuries, it was otherwise a good situation but following uh on from from Dagenham uh you had a short stint at South End and then uh you would sign for Maidstone United in non-league football where you would make an impact in the half a season that you spent there and you you were able to play more football than you had in in years due to the injuries uh just how good did it feel to be back playing week in week out um so I played a little bit at South End I, I didn't play that much um I was only I signed um, a six months deal at Tours and from September, well, Christmas to the end of the season. And Phil Brown was the manager, and I just, I just felt like he sold me a dream kind of thing. Um, and I was still trying to, I think he expected a player that was fully fit kind of thing, fitness wise. I was fit in my body and everything, but not obviously fitness because I was coming back from an injury for that I've been out with for a year and a half, more or less. Um, so then I think. He expected something that I weren't there yet. So he, I don't think he wanted to wait, give me the time that he said he would have. <laughs> so that's what I meant that he sold me a dream. Um, but it, I was I was still one of the best players. Um, but probably fitness-wise, I probably weren't there yet. Um, and so then when I went to um, Maidstone, I only signed six months again from, um, from pre-season till Christmas. Because I just wanted to play games and just prove my fitness and show people that I'm over the injuries, but I just need to be fit, kind of thing. So um, I've done that and played. If I'm honest, and I hope I don't come across arrogant, but when I was playing in the national league, it just felt so easy, like genuinely so easy. Like, um, and I, I love my time at Maidstone. Um, I felt like again wanted. Felt like one of the most important players. Um, and I was able to express, and every game I'll go out thinking I, I'm either going to score or I'm going <laughs> to destroy some defenders. <laughs> um, so it, at times it just felt it did. In some games it felt easy, other games it felt frustrating because of the style of play. And sometimes we'll get caught up into how some team play and then go from back to forward, and it's a bit ugly and bitty. But apart from that, it was it was okay. It was I enjoyed it. Um, so then, because I enjoyed it so much, I, basically I wanted to show people I could still play in the league, which is what eventually happened. Because obviously, like you know, uh, I went to Chesterfield, but there was fighting relegation, um, and there was a lot of factors within. When, once I once I went to Chesterfield, there's a lot of factors that played a part in basically the club going down because we had good individuals, but I think as a team. We probably didn't connect or click enough. Um, we had some really, really good players, actually. Um, so, yeah, so it's just 
it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah, well, it's interesting you talk about um, the Chesterfield time. Um, obviously, I know, you know it's a, it's a great club, but they certainly were having some issues around that time. But given the fact that you know you had to make the drop down to the non-league and uh, national league, and then like as we've been speaking about, you you played really well for Maidstone and ultimately got a move back up to the football league. Where does um where does that rank amongst your achievements? Because that you know it's um it's quite humble to have to take the step down but the fact you're able to prove yourself and get back up to the football league is that something you look back upon pretty fondly yeah i do because it's rare it's rare that especially when you've had a couple of big injuries and your name's been slightly tarnished to be injury injury prone because of two injuries and not several injuries <laughs> um yeah so is people always going to say oh is, is he fit or is all of that kind of stuff. So people don't want to take the chance. So for me, personally, to prove everyone wrong and to show people that even though I was injured, um, even even a 70% fit Zav could still play in the league. <laughs> um, I just had to get the opportunity to get 100% fit. Um, and probably not a lot of people wanted to give that opportunity, which is their right and their obviously their jobs are on the line, so they have to make these decisions. So I have to respect that. But um, I always believed in myself, um, mainly because of probably where I came from. I had to fight, I had to fight, I had to uh, be disciplined, I had to do do above and beyond to get and just a look in. So I understand it. Yeah, well, as you say, football can be a, a you know a tough business at times, but obviously your your fighting attitude throughout your career is evident, given you know, how you bounce back on so many occasions. But obviously, in um, 2019, you were, you unfortunately would make the decision to retire, and I know again, and um, from you seeing your um, statement at the time, it was something that clearly, you know, for any young footballer who has to retire, it's um, very dis- disappointing, probably upsetting thing to happen so I know obviously that must have been tough for you but looking on a more positive side since you've you know retired from the game have there been any positive changes in your life maybe the way you you think about things or what's sort of the best thing that's happened since playing football I guess is my question um the best thing probably is me um trying to understand myself um even till this moment now I don't fully understand who I am but I'm on that journey to try to understand myself and because of that yeah I'm in I'm in a good place mentally um so it was tough retiring early um it's not something I wanted to do um but I remember when I went to have the meeting with the consultant and he said I could continue playing, but like long term, I, I might might be affected massive massively. And I said to I said to myself, if at that point as well, I kind of fell out of love with just the politics of the, the game. I always love I always love football, but just there's so many aspects to the game and so many things that happens in the game that probably a lot of people are not aware of. Or some people will be aware of, but a lot of people don't see. And I that kind of put me in a place where I thought to myself, I'd rather protect my health. Um, I, I want to be able to play with my kids um, at an old age. Um, so I'd rather do that than 
go to work and play in League Two, which I weren't, no, um, the National League, which I weren't really enjoying that much. Um, and I thought like, I, I could potentially do something that I love. And that's that's what I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, just being able to, one of the major things, I've, I've always wanted to be able to help the kids from where I came from. Um, I've always, I live by a saying that I want to be someone I never had when I was growing up. So because I live by that now that I've created, or me and a f- friend of mine created uh, our academy in Brixton, um, that helps us give that. Um, now that I'm back at West Ham coaching, that helps me give that because I've been in their shoes. So I'm able to be that person I never had. Um, so it's, it's good for me. Um, and it makes me, it humbles me as well because sometimes you could get um, caught up in what you've done. I'm not what you're doing. It's good to hear that you've taken a bunch of positive strides since hanging up your boots. And great to hear that you're involved again at West Ham, um, the club where it all started. And of course, you've got the NASA Academy that you started with your friend, I believe, when you were having sort of a a down period during your injuries at Dagenham. So again, good to see that something sort of positive um, came out at that time of your career. But how do you approach mentoring the kids and and training the kids in, in a way that might be different to how you were coached or mentored as a kid and, and how do you think the impact that somebody like yourself for instance could have had on on you a young Zavon had had you been able to sort of have these conversations w- with you while your football career was just beginning um I don't I don't think I'd do anything really that much different um if I'm honest I, I, I just try to be be there the main thing is being there um in all not only physically but probably mentally spiritually whatever it is that they need just be there. So if they want to vent, I'll be there. Um, never had that. If they want to be emotional, uh, it could be emotional, but I'll still give you some tough love after <laughs> uh, because being too emotional is not going to really help change the fact. Um, so the main thing I try to do, I try to make the environment fun, um, enjoyable. Um, I try, like I said, I try to be there for them as much as possible. Um, and then obviously I see it in their eyes a lot of them because I've I've played the game and they've seen seen me or whether on YouTube or Google or whatever they see me play for West Ham before um, I get that level of respect that small level of respect that probably an, a coach that came out of uni has hasn't got yet um, so because I've got that I I run with that a little bit and then I just try to let them know the the facts of the, the academy life. <laughs> The facts are, if you don't work hard, someone else will come and take your place that wants to be in the academy. So I help them understand that however I can. And then once once, once the penny drops, um, they're in a good place, I guess. But I feel more pride once I see them in a first team somewhere. Well, I hope... You'll send them all to Tottenham, Zavon, and then I can be very proud of them as well. Send them- uh, I doubt it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Fair enough. I wasn't expecting you to say yes, but no, honestly, um, it sounds like, you know, the people you coach have got a great mental there, and it's great that you're able to um, just to be there for people, you know, young men making their um, their journey in the game. Um, that is all we've got time for today. So um, firstly, a big thanks to my co-host, Kaitel, as always. And then an even bigger thanks to our guest, Zavon. Honestly, it was, um, it was a pleasure to chat to you today. And for our listeners, Zavon, how can, I, how can they sort of 
best keep up to date with everything you're doing at the moment? Oh, um, I am on social media. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter. Um, it's just my name. I don't try to make anything different. So it's just Zavon Hines. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Zavon. As Joe said, an absolute pleasure to, to have you as our guest. Really enjoyed this. As far as our listeners and viewers, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a follow, a like or a subscribe wherever you prefer to check out your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just look for United Mates Football Podcast. Same goes for our YouTube channel as well. If you feel like putting some faces to these voices across social media, we're at United Mates FP for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then check out our website. That's www.unitedmatesfp.com. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.